welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now, it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Tim. You're listening to KABF in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get all up in your business. For the next hour, my guest and I will be having a conversation of curiosity and storytelling. We will be answering questions via phone and email and giving advice to small business owners and to people who dream of owning a small business. You may be asking yourself, what makes this lady qualified to do this? And I'll tell you, experience. So in a minute, you can email or call and ask me anything. My experience is deep and wide and my advice is free. 40 years ago, with just $400, I started Arkansas Flag and Banner. Since then, it's morphed into simply flagandbanner.com with sales nearing $4 million. That's worth saying again. I started Arkansas Flag and Banner with just $400, and today we have sales nearing $4 million. I started by selling flags door-to-door, then went to telemarketing, next mail order and catalog sales, and today we rely heavily on the Internet. In addition, over the last 40 years, I've navigated Flag and Banner through two recessions and two wars. When people find out I'm that woman who owns Arkansas Flag and Banner, they often say, oh, I've heard about you, and begin asking me business advice. I amaze even myself with all the knowledge I've gained. If you call for advice from me or my guest, you will not be given textbook answers or theory, but you will be given candid advice from our real-world experience. So be prepared for the truth. It's not always easy to hear. For instance, you may not want to hear this. In business, there are very few overnight successes. Starting and owning a business takes persistence, perseverance, and patience. When I started Arkansas Flag and Banner, I supplemented my income by waitressing, all while I peddled flags door to door. After nine years, did you hear me? Nine years of working a part-time job, the company began to grow and solely support me. My first hire, a bookkeeper. My first expansion, the beginning of manufacturing custom flags. The next decade ushered in the Desert Storm War. Flags were scarce, so I added a screen printing department to meet the consumer demands. In addition to sales and manufacturing, Flag and Banner now has a purchasing department, shipping department, technology, marketing, call center, and a retail store. And I spearheaded each of these departments' development. My experience is deep and wide, and my advice is free. I hope you'll take advantage of this unique opportunity by calling or emailing me on today's show. Before we start taking calls, I want to introduce you to the people at the table. We have Tim Bowen, our technician, who will be taking calls and pushing the buttons. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. What's up, Tim? <laughs> That's my guest, Rich Cosgrove from Whole Hog. He's the owner and the operator of Whole Hog Cafe in North Little Rock, Arkansas. His education comes from both Hendricks College in Conway and the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. With a BSBA, whatever that is, in organizational behavior modification. I think he's going to be judging me. (laughs) Rich's career began in corporate America. While still in college, he worked as a technician and repairman for Southwestern Bell. And he's a musician, played a little guitar. This all helped fund his education. After graduation, he had several stints with Altel, first in operation management and later in employee development. From 1984 to 1999, about 15 years, Rich Cosgrove tested his entrepreneurial skills in a venture called Cosgrove Consulting, where he served as president and chief operating manager of his own company. How did you find out all that stuff? Because I read about you. (laughs) Following, here's, there's more. Following his passion in 2007, Rich planned and secured funding for his startup, Whole Hog Cafe in North Little Rock. Rich says this about himself. It's a hobby that got out of hand. Here to talk to us about living the dream is Rich Cosgrove, owner of North Little Rock's Whole Hog Cafe. Welcome to the table, Rich. I'm so excited to be here, Carrie, and we're big fans of yours, as you know. Your wife is one of my best customers. (laughs) And I want to make sure we definitely have to mention Nancy, who is at least as responsible as me for this business. So she is, uh, Nancy is vision, I'm merely execution. So shout out to you, hon. And I also want to shout out to our new partner, Tim Bryant. Tim, put down that 40 ounce and that telephone and (coughs) drive. 
<laughs> Tim's on the road to Stuttgart, and I just want to say hey to him. So. Yeah, put down the 40 ounce in the phone. That's a good idea. So your bio said, and I quote this about you, that from an early age, you have been fascinated with the ancient technology of the preservation of meat through smoking, curing, and drying. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Early age is, is relative, isn't it? So I was roughly 20 when someone gave me a smoker, and uh, I found out that I could properly treat and smoke meat, and it would stay just fine and delicious unrefrigerated. And uh, I was fascinated with that. I didn't know that. How long? How long? Will it stay perfectly it, fine? It depends on how you cure it, how you smoke it, and how you treat it. But... For instance, uh, uh, you can make sausage that is virtually impervious to uh, decay or bacteria, and it will sit there. You may scrape mold off of it, or a ham, properly cured. You've seen the hams hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, Virginia hams. Uh, those hams are they'll last virtually forever. Really? Mm-hmm. And you just scrape the mold off and keep eating. There you go. That is a college kid's dream come true. Kind of like cheese. Oh, well, it's, there you go, yeah. And it's, it's controlled spoilage, a lot of this stuff. It's like cheese, alcohol. Uh, all these things were developed years and years ago to preserve food. But you didn't think that you were going to grow up to be a owner of a barbecue place. Well, that first, was your hobby. Well, first of all, I was pretty sure I wasn't going to grow up, and I'm still committed to, <laughs> to that. And I know you, and he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, uh, it was... Uh, it was uh, a whim. My friend John Adney, I want to shout out to John. John bugged me for about 10 years to do this until... To uh, do what? To, to get a whole hog license and do the barbecue thing. And uh, John finally pushed me over the edge, and here I am. So how old were you when you started your... When you bought Whole Hog Cafe? Um, or when you started ten, Whole Hog? A little over 10 years ago, I was 50. I think that's a great age to start a new business. Sure. Because you're mature enough. Well, reference my previous comment, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you went to school to be a... I studied uh, something called organizational behavior modification, which when you graduated with a college degree that sounded like that in the 1800s, as I did, you processed insurance claims in the back room of somebody's HR department. They didn't really have that. So I uh, went to work uh, for the telephone company because I had telephone experience. They trained me on the job as an engineer, and I became an engineer for many, many years. Um, fast forward to 1999, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar. If you guys yeah. don't know Tony Robbins, he's the big toothy guy, the big motivational speaker. Walked on fire. Yes, I did. I was, I was, did you really? I did. I was inspired by Tony Robbins, and within five months, I had completely changed my life. Got a job with Altel as a performance consultant because now, fast forward to 1999 from 1980, they, the field I'd always wanted was was there. Altel took a chance on me, and uh, I worked for Altel for five years. Uh, people still come up to me in the restaurant and they say, "Boy, really, bet you really miss Altel, don't you?" Absolutely, it was one of the best real jobs I ever had. I love that company; it had a great culture, and. After five years working for Altel, um, studying under a gentleman named Steve Mosley, who was brilliant, I went to work uh, for a company that sold training and performance solutions to Fortune 250 companies. I did that for three years and made enough money to start a restaurant. What was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Thinking you wanted to work all the time. We've got something special today, Tim. That's correct. We're going to play some songs. That just because of you, Rich. Oh, no. This is a barbecue song for you. Oh, boy. When you meet somebody that don't like soul food, they still got a soul. And it don't mean that you got no rhythm if you don't like rock and roll. But if you taste it like mine, you like Saturday night wine. It's your favorite, favorite thing to do. Let's get a pretty girl dancing to jug band music and a mess of mom's barbecue. Barbecue lifts my spirit, I swear that it never fails. And the sauce mama makes just stays there forever if you dare to get it on the old nails. 
Well, you may be poor with a wolf at your door, but money isn't everything. You still got the sun and the river full of fun, and you'll always have a song to sing. So get the frown off your face, we're gonna replace it with a grin and a dream come true. With a pretty girl dancing to jump band music and a mess of mama's barbecue. <laughs> you said you've heard that before. I love that. Oh, good. That was for you. So 30 years ago, you and your brothers became World Championship Barbecue Team. That was even before you owned Whole Hog. That's right. Are we, they in the business with you? No, they're not. But each of my three brothers were four boys a year apart are arguably a lot better barbecue men than I am. These guys... All three take it very seriously. and uh, Do they still do it? They do. They do. They're amazing. Uh, my baby brother, David, is the head of our team because David's going to have to be the head of whatever he's doing. And uh, that's, <laughs> he, uh, he's, David's really, really good at what he does. He's, uh, but uh, Jim, the baby of the bunch, is probably uh, the most avid barbecue man. And uh, Jim is also a prepper. Now, he's not a prepper in the classic sense of, uh, you know, guns and ammo. Doomsday. And no, he's, he's ready for a six-month uh, electrical blackout or whatever. But Jim uh, spends a lot of time curing, smoking, and drying uh, meats and cheeses. For and Y2K? To, no, just, just for, you know, a six-month yeah. uh, outage of whatever. Yeah. You know, just, he just likes to play with it, too. He's very, very good at it. He's a little paranoid. <laughs> but in a good way oh maybe maybe so so you've got six so do you use those do you use your recipes at the whole your no, family no, recipes no, no, no. i use the recipes that were handed down to us now from whole hog cafe that's right and uh and you're gonna have to tell us about that business model i'm sure. not sure about how that works sure um so they, these guys started like like i did with the barbecue team who's these guys the, uh, ron blasting game uh, Mike Davis and Steve Lucci. Now, Mike Davis is called Sarge. Uh, he was in the Army, and he was a barbecue guy in the Army. Sarge is responsible for uh, the recipes that we use. And essentially, I could sort of credit Sarge with the success of the whole organization because he, he is the meat man. He's the best meat man I've ever known. He's uh, uh, the guy behind the core of what we do. Ron Blassingame. God rest his soul. Mm -hmm. Ron passed away about five years ago. Ron was a businessman, also a very good barbecue man. Uh, Ron was the kind of guy that would do the right thing no matter what it cost him. Uh, the kind of guy we all, uh, you know, we hope we are. <laughs> right. You know, I grew up with Ron. Oh, did you He's really? from North Little Rock. Uh -huh. I just loved Ron. He, Ron worked so hard to keep us between the ditches in our first few years and was mostly successful at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but Steve, Ron, and Sarge were the, the first three. Now, they brought Ron's brother in, Mike Blessingame, who had been with Cisco Foods for 20, 25 years. And Mike really turned the thing into a serious business. Mike was able to drive margin out of the business. They were wildly successful to the top line instantly. But Mike was instrumental in helping them actually squeeze money out of the thing. And that's the tough part of a restaurant business. Yes, I would imagine the margins are low. They are. And the employee overhead is high. Um, you know, the, the, the key things you have to manage in a restaurant are food cost and labor cost. So... Is there a bunch of, um, uh, what is it, just when food goes bad, what's that called? Uh, spoilage. Spoilage, and, yeah. Uh, no, no, not in our case. We, our volume is so... Because it's smoked. Well, actually, our, it's, it's our volume. We uh. have... We, cook so much food for so many people that it doesn't have it doesn't sit there very long it says you do three and a half tons of meat a week three to three and a half yeah that's a lot of meat it's a lot of meat it's a production operation but it's something we take very very seriously in terms of every single piece that we manage so these things have to be whiteboarded so know. tell me about the business you 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 don't it's not a franchise no and the whole hog in north little rock is separate from the whole hog in little rock that's right if if you want to get into this business now, you, you will be a franchisee. When we started, we were a licensee. The primary difference being, uh, as a franchisee, the franchisor is able to dictate whatever they're willing to dictate or whatever they want to dictate. You know, uniform policy, your hours, your uh, menu, 
uh, your pricing, whatever they want to dictate. As a licensee, Ron said to us, here's the name, here's our business model, here are the recipes, take what you want, change what you don't. And we've made a lot of changes in North Little Rock, and we've kept a lot of things the same when the mothership has made a lot of changes. You know, Nancy and I uh, uh, tried over the years really, really hard. We've always erred on the side of customer experience. We were willing to sacrifice points to the bottom line for good word and future business. Yes, you have on your business card enhancement. No, enchantment served daily. <laughs> That's right, exactly. I feel like it's important to define what business you're in and, and, and be able to, and it's, that should be dynamic. And so we started out, we thought we were in the barbecue business, and we realized that barbecue is a hobby, restaurant is a business. We were in the restaurant business. Then mm-hmm. I realized that no, really not we're, we're in the hospitality business because that you have to look at it like that you have to play offense you have to realize that you've got to make people feel good and make them happy and then i read a book by guy kawasaki who was the apple pitch man in the early 80s jobs hired him he was a jeweler what was and, it what is it uh, it's called in enchantment by guy kawasaki Guy kawasaki is now a motivational speaker and author but i read the guy's book called enchantment and i said wait a minute We've got to be in that business. We've got to be in the business of enchantment. We've got to make sure that when people come in, they don't, you know, everybody's got good food and good service, or they don't stay in business anyway. But if you want to get, if you want to get good market share, if you want to really uh, bring lots and lots of people in, you've got to enchant them. With your floor, your polished floors? Well, you've got to have, no, it's the pixie dust. It's the vibe. The pixie dust. That's what I call it. It's a pixie dust. You've got to have that extra something so that when you're eating in there, you feel good. And most people can't articulate it, but they know that when they sit down at Whole Hall Cafe, North Little Rock, it's not. It's a combination of, you know, the recessed lighting, the Bose sound system. Yeah, the diamond polished floor, the original artwork on the walls. But it's our it's our people. It's the people you're eating next to. It's a, a community. I do a monthly newsletter, and I have six thousand people who subscribe to it and they're my customers and it's about two-thirds funky food and barbecue information and about one-third shameless self-promotion so <laughs> so if people want to get on your newsletter how do they do that um just hit our website at www.wholehogcafenlr.com what was oh north little rock whole hog, whole hog cafe, cafe NLR. NLR.com, and you can sign up for the newsletter 6,000 people on your newsletter is a big deal. And it's homegrown. It's an organic list that we've developed. You know, I get your business card and I ask you if you, I can put you on my list. You know, it's not a, we didn't you're buy an, this list. Was, you're an entrepreneur all the way. <laughs> you never stop. So why are there no wings? Or do you have wings over there? I know the whole hog over here doesn't have wings. No. That's my favorite thing. We don't have wings. Um, we have to be really careful because our volume is so high. Um, um, I know I keep kind of mm-hmm. beating that thing up. but That's it's fine. It's a, it's, it's, it's what you want in a restaurant. You know, you want lots of people through the door. Um, we've got, you know, one window that we push food through. So it's like a picture of... You mean literally? Yeah, literally. Picture an hourglass. So on the one big part of the hourglass, I've got my three to three and a half tons of meat. On the other side, I've got thousands of customers. And in the little skinny part, that's my window. So anything I do, anything, any menu item that I add, anything I do to complicate the work of the highly talented uh, people in that window uh, slows down the flow. Yeah. So wings would be, you know, we do we do wings uh, for like caterings. If somebody wants wings, we'll do wings. Or, you know, we do wings for special occasions. Uh, Carlton Wing, who uh, ran for state legislature recently, is a very good customer of mine. We hosted a watch party for him. and. Guess what? He wanted wings. We, no, he didn't want wings. It was our idea. Oh, he yeah. didn't. That wasn't his idea. No, no, he don't ask that everywhere no, he goes. No, we just cooked wings and put them out there. I thought it'd be fun. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so you started Whole Hog Cafe in 2007 with right. your wife Nancy. That's right. Who is you mentioned at the top of the show? She is. She's it. My customer. She, she's my good customer. And she's. She loves flags. She is. Uh, I can't say enough about. Her, she, Nancy is responsible for all our success. Again, uh, I'm an engineer by profession. Nancy is 
an enchantress and uh, an amazing person by profession. And Nancy designed and built, she was the architect and the general contractor on the restaurant. And Nancy handles all the finance and the marketing and the big ideas and anything that's worthwhile, you know, the vibe that you feel, that's something that Nancy created. I'm the thing guy. You know, I, I manage margins. I hire people, I fire people, I fix things when they're broken. Uh, I'm, I'm just the, uh, you know, my, the thing, things I do are terribly pedestrian uh, compared to what Nancy brings to the table. You sound like a great combination, and I wish my husband would call me an enchantress. <laughs> I also want to mention that we have recently taken on partners. We're, we're selling the business. We brought uh, uh, Daniel Bryant and Tim Bryant and Kristen Bryant on uh, this last year. And so... What do you mean you're selling the business? We're selling the business. You really are? Yes. Timmy, you hear that? It's real. <laughs> Everybody knows now. So you're selling the business. How long are you as your exit strategy? Uh, we've got a couple of years, and then um, we're, we'll be able to decide if we want to stay in uh, for a percentage or uh, get out altogether. Um, but uh, our, our partners own about 14 other restaurants. So oh, they're good at it. They're really good at it, and they're, and they're super good people. And so probably, um, you know, what Nancy and I uh, are talking about doing is maybe playing a larger role in that organization and bringing the key component to our success, which is our culture, bringing that culture piece into the larger organization. Into the, all their other restaurants. A kind of a uh, consultant. Well, you know, we don't know what it's going to look yeah. like yet, but that's, that would be the word I would use. But, you know, we don't know exactly how that's going to take shape. We're just talking about it right now. Well, your entrepreneurial career has, is long. You had Cosgrove Consulting. And then when I heard when you got here, you told me you were a big supporter of KABF in the 80s, I think you said, when you were the very first microbrewer in the city of Little Rock. In, in the state of Arkansas. In the state of Arkansas. Actually. And Sorry. you lost your shirt and had to get out. <laughs> And another barbecue song for you, Rich. Let's do a Pig Meat is What I Crave by Bo Carter. Let's do it. You can paint your cheeks, gal, train your hair like a pen. I can't use you made on an old hog frame. Says you can give me pig meat. You can give me pig meat. I mean, you can give me pig meat. Pig meat is what I crave. When I die, you need to bury me at all. Hang me up against the pig meat's wall. And you can give me pig meat. You can give me pig meat. I mean, you can give me pig meat. Pig meat is what I crave Now when I die It will be seen That little love of a pig meat machine Cause I love pig meat I love pig meat I mean I love pig meat Pig meat is what I crave Oh yeah. yeah, Carrie. I just listeners. I just want you to know, Carrie just cracked herself up over that. I love that. <laughs> I love pig meat. It's just when we found that today, Tim and I laughed good and stuff. said, "We can go. yeah, it is good stuff." And I want to tell the listeners, you wrote down the name of that song. You're going to play it in your in your restaurant. You wrote down the name of the song and the artist. <laughs> he was impressed by our choice. Indeed, I was. So you're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with my guest, Rich Cosgrove, owner and operator of the Whole Hog Cafe in North Little Rock. Rich, I love how you call yourself the owner and the operator. To me, the specificity of your title shows the influence of your college education in organizational behavior modification and your experience in corporate America training. Can you speak about that and how you chose the words owner operator to describe yourself 
I'm, I guess I'm kind of taken aback. I, I never really thought about it. I think probably I just plucked it from the, the lexicon. Uh, What's the, lexicon Of mean? the restaurant business, oh. the list of words that people use to... Well, most people call themselves the president. I'm thinking <laughs> about changing mine to owner-operator. Well, I like it a lot. Well, it's kind of fun. Uh, I ran into a, uh, uh, a guy I knew from college when I was sweeping the uh, front porch, and uh, and, and he kind of looked, looked at me kind of funny. He said, so, Rich, you uh, working at Whole Hog now? I go, yep. Kept sweeping. He says, what do you like... Um, Maybe the manager or something? I go, no, no. Just kept sweeping. He said, well, great seeing you. <laughs> so, you know, titles aren't important. What's important is our culture. We have 26 employees. We have no managers. We have no job titles. We're completely flat. We have no turnover. Okay. In the restaurant business, you have no turnover. None. That's no. bizarre. Well, our goals are really simple. My personal goals, and I, and I try to impress on the employees, I I'd like for them to mirror these if possible. Number one, to have fun. Number two, make a contribution outside yourself. So we run the restaurant by the four R's. Respect, responsiveness, responsibility, and resilience. And we expect people to treat one another that way, treat us that way, treat our customers that way, and as important, our vendor partners that way. We're all one family. and. Everyone is as important as everyone else. We are a professional basketball team. It's a, it's a very good analogy because um, everyone rebounds. Everyone We have people play multiple positions. No position pays uh, higher than another. Again, we don't have names for those positions. We have names for the tasks that we perform. Right. But we don't, people don't carry a title, and we don't really carry titles. I mean, if I have to have one, it has to be... I guess, owner-operator. Mm-hmm. That's why you're not the president. <laughs> well, let's don't go there. <laughs> I like it. I could tell when I've never seen, uh, I could tell when I read that, I thought there's some thought put into that. Well, again, it is our people in our culture that make all the difference. And Nancy sets the tone. Um, I I've sort of fall into her groove and, for instance, you'll never hear any of us issue a direct order. You'll never hear anybody issue a direct command. It'll be in the form of a question or a suggestion. Uh, we won't make changes uh, in the restaurant until we check with the employees and see if everybody thinks it's a good idea. Um, it's everybody doing everything, everybody passing balls back and forth together, and nobody's really in charge. Everybody understands what needs to be done and fills in for one another and make sure that everything gets done you you give seminars on this topic don't you <laughs> actually i do i know <laughs> i i can tell that is that what your seminars are about is team building um no I mean, that's just my, my, people don't ask me to speak on on that subject they they want me to talk about the restaurant business and so i speak to groups about the restaurant business but i can't help uh, but talk about how we do the restaurant business because that's what I'm passionate about is developing people and letting the people, once you, once you give someone uh, uh, a sense of fulfillment and importance, uh, it's off to the races. I mean, the, the sky's the limit. Uh, people don't work for money, all right? In they general, don't. Not that's, I agree level. with that completely. They work for three things. Autonomy. What's that mean? The ability to make an independent decision that guides the business somewhere. Okay. Mastery, the ability to get better at something. And the most important of all is purpose. Autonomy, mastery, and purpose. A reason to come to work that doesn't just have to do with getting a paycheck. That's unsustainable. No matter how much money you make, unless you have a purpose, to me, yeah. um, why come to work? That is so well said. So do you mention that in your seminars, and do you mention the team building? And then what else do you talk about in the restaurant business that you could tell our listeners? That you, give <laughs> well, us your seminar. Well, no. 101. Well, uh, you know, and my, my restaurant buddies out there uh, will appreciate this. The thing that, the painful thing that nobody wants to talk about, and I start seeing eyes glaze over, is margin management. Um, things that you have to do that seem to be very boring on the surface that, uh, make the difference between staying in business and not staying in business. Look how many restaurants go out of business. The statistics are 
phenomenal. There's no other business with an attrition rate as great as the restaurant business. And order to stay there, you've got to do a couple of things that seem to be at odds with one another. Number one, you've got to figure out how to spend money to enchant people. You've got to figure out how to play offense. But you've also got to be playing defense. You've got to figure out how to manage your margins, how to mitigate your waste, how to uh, uh, get your food costs as low as possible and still provide an exceptional experience. And not have your quality suffer. Exactly. So what do you tell them? I have a... I have a spreadsheet and a chart. Really? And I've developed um, methodologies that I've shared with other restaurateurs uh, how to manage your margins. It's not, it's not rocket surgery. It's uh, Rocket science. No, rocket surgery. What's that mean? It's a combination of rocket science and brain, brain surgery. surgery. <laughs> you count things, for instance, and, and this is, this, I hate to, take up your time with this but no you, that's you know, good you you do a weekly inventory first of all weekly uh, weekly i inventory. bet no restaurant people do that uh, yes they do the major chains all do weekly inventories the brinker internationals and the young brands and they they also do daily counts of their high food cost items so we i have a system set up for instance when you buy a pork sandwich my system automatically registers five ounces of meat and so on so that Every portion that goes through the registers is tabulated. At the, at the end of the week, I pull that down, and I compare that to what I actually used. Physically weigh the meat myself each Sunday, and I take starting inventory plus purchases minus ending inventory, and I see exactly what it cost me. So I can tell you with scientific certainty what it cost me to put a pound of each meat on the plate that week, and I can make adjustments. I've got a dashboard. I can make quick adjustments. I'm not waiting three weeks into the next month for my accountant to give me his best guess at what my food cost was. To I find out that you, somebody on the food line is putting too much meat on the sandwich. That, and there was a period of time that I was getting several days in a row. This was when I was doing it daily uh, before I got it under control, and that's a whole other story, losing money for two and a half years. <laughs> that's the key to our success. So... Uh, I found out that I was getting un- inordinate uh, yields on pork. I was getting really high yields on my pork butts, and that would normally be good news to an operator. But I had to think something was amiss, so I went out and I became the expediter for about three days. That's the person that pulls the plates out of the window and calls the number and hands the plate across, and sure enough, the portions looked small. I keep a small postal scale on the line where the little funnel is we talked about earlier in the mm-hmm. middle. I keep a small postal scale on the line, and I, I'll throw it down there, and I'll say, okay, Doug, get a shout-out to Doug Hansen and J.P. Highfield, two of my best line guys. I said, Doug, show me five ounces. And under pressure, Doug can hit that every single time. And I said, okay, guys, let's get those portion sizes up. Portion sizes came up. My yield started to go down. I've got a very small range that I like to keep them within. i got to make sure that the customer's perceived value is extremely high without sacrificing major points to my food costs. And so it's a tenuous balance that you have to walk. That's exactly what you were talking about earlier is it's a total picture. You see the whole thing. You have to have the enhancement from the customer's point of view all the way to making a profit in the back of the, in the back kitchen. You've got to be able to see the matrix. Mm-hmm. I said earlier that you were an entrepreneur. You had cause Groves consulting and before that you were in the beer business with your with my uh, former father-in-law William Lyon from Fordyce um, this he, is a good story it's 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 it is a really good story before they had beer before you could just go out and buy a DME brewery from Germany for two hundred thousand dollars or three hundred thousand or whatever they charge for however many barrels you can make with a brew house that you can now buy prefab uh, they didn't have that when we started this in the early 80s. So we had dairy tanks and fittings, and we had a on-site plasma torch welder welding uh, jacketed uh, jackets for these tanks so we could cool the tanks. And uh, we had to figure this out. We basically had taken uh, a gentleman named Scott Riley, uh, was our brewmaster, and we took his uh, homebrew recipe and tried to multiply it. And, you know, we had a 30-barrel brew house. And if you guys out there... Uh, and brewers out there and I have some friends that are in the business uh, Scott McGee my neighbor 
is uh, making some really fine beer out there right now. But oh. but 30, 30, uh, 30 gallon brew house is, is big, and especially for its day. And you're using a home brewed recipe. Mm-hmm. Home brew recipe. And you're trying to multiply, which never works. Multiplied it didn't work really well. We we threw out lots and lots of beer, and uh, how was the beer? Uh, we the beer was the beer was really good at first, but because it was home brew, it had sediment in it. All right, so this being Arkansas. You know, you had people picking up a bottle of it and going, that gum, Margo, there's crap floating around in there. Look at that. <laughs> that's the healthiest part of the beer. But we had to figure out how to filter our beer at that point. And that's when things started to go downhill. We were no longer producing bottle-conditioned beer. Now bottle-conditioned beer is, is a connoisseur's delight. And a lot of people will actually pour off the beer and carefully save the sediment and drink it from a shot glass by You were ahead of your time. Well, that's one way to put it. We also, you could say we mostly made crappy beer. <laughs> so how long did you stay in that business? About three years. And then you got out? I went right back to engineering because it's a non-perishable skill and uh, easy to find a job. Yeah, and we don't have enough engineers out here today. I really do hear that we have a shortage of engineers today coming out of college. And then after, and then you start your own consulting business. Was it using your engineering? That's right. Yes, ma'am. We did. Uh, uh, I did telephone engineering, telecommunications engineering. It's it's not extremely technical. Uh, it's a combination of civil and electrical engineering. Uh, basically, I buried telephone cable, figure out where to put it, and where to put the switching stations and the little pedestals you see out there and. Uh, it's like assigning a distribution network to a very wide area. Why did you get out of that? Seems like a great business. Why did you get out of that? Too competitive? What's well, a great question because it's it's bigger now than it ever has been. That business is very very big, and I'm I'm uh, I have significant opportunities to get back into that business, and I'm considering doing that. Yeah, it's, it seems like the it seems like it's booming. It is. It, there, there's more fiber optic cable being placed in the ground right now than ever before. If you're a contractor or a yeah. telephone company and you decide you need some fiber optic cable, you want to order it from the factory. There's about a nine month wait right now. Wow. It's it's big. They can't keep up. They can't keep up. Is fiber optic it's made in America? All or over the world. All over the yeah. world. Interesting. We got one more special song for you too. Oh boy. This one's a pretty popular mainstream one though but um, wait we're going to have one phone call before we do a song hold on this is reality radio you never know hello this is up in your business caller do you have a question you're on the air uh, no just a comment I just want to mention Beckert up in Rogers Arkansas is one of the largest fiber optic, fiber optic manufacturers in the state really huh? right. what's the name of it Beckert spell it B-E-K-A-E-R-T oh okay wow alright Right here. Maybe you don't. Have, you have a nine-month wait to get fiber optics from y'all. Uh, I don't work for them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what, tell me what you do. I'm a student. Right. Okay. But I'm from Northwest Arkansas, so. Cool. All right. Right place to live. Yep. Thanks for calling in. Sure thing. And now for your listening pleasure. Seventeen, I bought a Coke and some gasoline And I drove out to the county fair When I saw her for the first time She was standing there in the ticket line And it all started right then and there Oh, say the sky made a perfect sunset And that's a day I'll never forget I had a barbecue stain on my white t-shirt She was Killing me in that mini skirt, skipping rocks on the river by the railroad tracks. She had a suntan line and red lipstick. I worked so hard for that first kiss, and a heart don't forget something like that. Well, it was five years later on a southbound plane. I was headed down to New Orleans. Meet some friends of mine for Mardi Gras When I heard a voice from the past Coming from a few rows back And when I looked I couldn't believe just what I saw She said 
said, I bet you don't remember me. And I said, only every other memory. I had a barbecue stain on my white t-shirt. You were killing me in that miniskirt. Skipping rocks on the river by the railroad tracks. Well, now that's a one everybody knows. Every- that's correct. Tim McGraw, something like that. Yeah, that's a good one. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Kerry McCoy. I'm speaking today with my guest, Rich Cosgrove, owner and operator of the Whole Hog Cafe in North Little Rock. Rich, you professed a motto. Your professed motto is manic attention to detail. Absolutely. Are you a micromanager? No, far from it. Um, when I say manic attention to detail, I mean that the amount of meat that we cook and the amount of food that we serve requires, um, that's what requires management. Um, You don't manage people, you manage margins, you manage things, you manage food, you lead people. So no, not only do I not micromanage people, I don't manage people. Did your corporate training prepare you for owning your own business? Is that where you learned all these skills, would you say? Or was it your education? Well, I think it's a combination of, actually, quite honestly, it's mostly reading that I've done on my own. You like self-help books, it seems like. Um, I like business books. I like philosophy books. I like books on physics. I like nonfiction books. I like things that add value and and give me new ideas. I really don't have, you know, everything that you're hearing, um, I don't have any original ideas, but I'm a pretty good aggregator, pretty good assimilator of other people's ideas. Do you put your list of favorite books in your newsletter? If you should, if you don't, you should. I think you've got another subject you could add to your newsletter. Thanks for that tip. That is a great idea. You're welcome. That's all about I have is great ideas. <laughs> great Sometimes. ideas. Are- um, so here is one of my favorite questions that I ask Uh-oh. a lot of people. Not everybody, but when I have time, I ask people this question. And um, it's kind of a hard question. So here it is. Which of the four cardinal rules... And I don't mean Roman Catholic cardinals, but rather <laughs> the Latin meaning of the word cardinal, which is hinge, pivotal. So thus, these are pivotal rules that are a little bit fluid. So which of these four cardinal, pivotal, fluid rules best explains your management style? And they are, he's frowning at me like he's trying to follow. No, I'm, that's a, a, not a, a frown. It's a, a, I'm it's deep a in thinking. Thought. I know. I can tell you're thinking about this. They are the four cardinal rules which best describes your management style. They are prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. And when I say prudence, I mean thoughtful, calculated, possibly conservative. That's definitely not me. Temperance, calm, steady. That's definitely not me. Never been me. Justice. Keeper of all things fair. It sounds a little rigid, but it's closer than the other two so far. This last one, I think, is every entrepreneurial style. Fortitude. Staying the course. You certainly have to do that in this business. I know we did. Um, you, it, this business requires a lot from you. It takes an emotional toll, financial toll, uh, physical toll. It, you, so I would, I would have to say that historically... Fortitude describes us. And again, I have to point back to my wife and partner, Nancy, because she exemplifies that. Nancy's sheer tenacity has gotten us through some tough situations. Um, Don't you think all entrepreneurs have to have that? It's either that or luck, but you know, give me luck, please. Give me luck. <laughs> I think they've all had a little luck. Also. Let me luck over, over, what were your three Ps? Patience, persistence, and perseverance yes yeah I love that um you know, give me luck any day <laughs> so I would say that prudence I do, would say that you are probably prudent you seem like you look at the numbers you tell people to keep your margins that's pretty prudent okay and, I'll buy that. and your temperance I would say is positive always try to be again I'm married to the most positive person I've ever known and who wakes up sometimes in the middle of the night giggling for no apparent reason and it's what it's hard to be uh, <laughs> someone who's always upbeat uh, to be around her all the time. It's uh, amazing. So you've been in the restaurant business for since 2007, mm-hmm. so it'll be 10 years. That's right. And you're going to try something new. 
Possibly. You think that's about Possibly. you? What do you think about people who stay in the restaurant business all of their life? Um, I think it almost defines them. Um, I have lots of friends who have been in the restaurant business their entire lives, and it's hard when you're in this business to uh, break out. Uh, to, to be identified with anything else it really is and I found myself in that same spot you know people ask me how my day was the first thing I think about was well we uh, had a great day at the restaurant or we had a poor day at the restaurant yeah I think I would say that about myself too I think I always think about my day in relationship to my business and how it's doing well don't you think that uh, speaks of an integrated lifestyle which is kind of I guess a, so I think it's a good goal you know you yeah. So what does your day look like? My uh, Nowadays? Mm-hmm. Well, thanks to my partners, um, uh, pretty much, uh, although, although I handle most of the catering transactions, uh, which is an all-day and all-night job, I'm pretty much always on call. Uh, we do a very large catering business. And uh, other than that, I get my errands run, I get my workout mm-hmm. in in the morning, I go into the restaurant maybe about 10 and I usually leave before two. I try to come back uh, at night and greet my guests when I can, but uh, I don't really have, other than catering, I don't really have a specific function uh, because, again, the employees run the business. So you work on the business, not in the business. Absolutely. But don't you think that's smart, too? I think it is. but It's you hard have, to do sometimes. You have to work in the business to the extent that you lead by example. So you'll see me taking out trash and pulling chicken and, sweeping the floor and doing whatever needs to be done if I see that it needs to be done. So you, you have to work in the business to set an example. But un, unless you're working on your business, I don't think you'll ever be truly successful. It takes a long time, I think, for new entrepreneurs to learn that lesson. Did you read the book, The E-Myth? No. I can't believe it because you Which read one? all the... The E-Myth, The Entrepreneurial no, but Myth. it's on the list now. And it's an old, old book, uh, but it talks exactly about that, and you already do that. Well, you know, sometimes it takes a while not only to acknowledge or recognize that, but to be able to turn that corner. Mm-hmm. Because initially, especially in a very small business, you know, you know, you were in there stocking flags and you were in there uh, selling flags and sewing flags and you were doing everything yourself. And so you ha- it, it takes a while to be able. You said that you were able to finally hire an accountant. Mm-hmm. That's the smartest thing you could possibly have done. And uh, but you know you have to work. You have to be able to at some point transition into to being able to be strategic and not just tactical. And I don't think that there's a specific day that there's a cutoff for that. <laughs> you just have to keep your eyes open to know when you've trained somebody enough. Right. And I do believe that one of the challenges of entrepreneurs is hiring. Absolutely, training. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's the biggest thing. Uh, my philosophy is uh, John Wooden. Uh, the legendary basketball coach said there are two things that you can't coach height and heart to me those two things are character and attitude when I see a resume full of restaurant experience it's a big red flag it's you've got a lot to overcome if you walk in my door and all you've ever done is work in restaurants I want somebody with a great attitude a smile a quick step and the ability to go by the four R's treat other people well uh, in other words, if, if your parents and your childhood friends didn't teach you to be a nice person, that's not something I'm going to do. You give me a chimpanzee, two bananas, and 30 minutes of his attention, and I'll give you someone that can perform a task. But I can't make you uh, excited, and I can't make you want to have fun, and I can't make you nice to people. That's something that you hire. Those are attributes, not do you, skills. Do you hire the people at your place? I do. I do all the hiring and, and, the, and the firing. We fired 80 people in the first six months. But now we just don't, that's not an issue now. We, the only people that leave us are people that maybe graduate from college or graduate from high school, move on and do something else. Yeah, I think uh, every time I've started a department, it seems like the very original people we start the department with end up not staying. It's, you know, there's a lot of turnover in the very beginning mm-hmm. while you try to find your core people Absolutely. that stay there. Well, it's been really good to talk to you. You are Thank a wealth so of much. information. I think you should write a book. <laughs> That's what my wife says. Well, it's Does gonna, she? I think so, too. It's, it's going to be called, It's So Not About the Slaw. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. 
so not. I really about appreciate you having me on. I, oh, really I love do. it. I love it, and I love it that you're an old KABF. Uh, love KABF. Love the station. Love the people. Uh, love what you guys do. People don't know this, but while we were on break, one of your old cronies came in here and gave you a big hug. The Griff came in here, and uh, I don't know if he still has Inside a Quiet Fire. I don't know what his show is now, but uh, you got to catch his show on KABF. Uh, Robert Griffin. And Tim, our uh, our technician today, he has a show on what time? Wednesday nights, 9 to 11. I don't actually go by Tim. I use a stage name. Oh, what uh, is it? Uh, our show's called Phonomania, and I'm a Lou Logger on that show, and my co-host is Burt Logger. We're the Logger Brothers. Oh, and ladies, he's extremely handsome, and I don't see a wedding ring on his finger. No, nope, nope, there's none there. It's Wednesday nights. I don't think you and I would probably like the music. It's probably alternative. I can't believe I haven't listened. We play every genre. Oh, no, actually, I we play love alternative. Well, there you go. Under the sun. We don't have a set. So, Rich, do you have any upcoming events or cook-offs? Is, is most of your business uh, either – is most of your business – catering or is it no, in the restaurant it's definitely butts in seats butts and seats yeah yeah we do about and what's uh, your hours we are open 10 30 a.m to 9 o'clock p.m six days a week we're closed on sunday we're the only whole hog in the country that uh does not open on sunday so you're open six days a week that's right 10 30 to 9 and you can call us at 501-753-9227 we're at 5107 warden road by the golf shop right across the interstate from gander mountain uh-huh up there by mccain mall mm-hmm Yep, I've been there. Does the Whole Hog Cafe have a one season that's busier than the other? Oh, gosh, uh, December, because the really? ca- catering is nuts. We cater to all the big companies around us, and we do shift work catering, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. You know, we're, yes, December is by far the biggest. So you probably uh, have a staff, for, we've got to go here in a second, but you probably have a staff for two different, for one for the catering no, staff? No, 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 we all handle everything. You just work them to death? Well, they work themselves You're to open death. six days a week, 11 hours a day. <laughs> that doesn't include cleanup or prep in the morning, and we cater. I appreciate you, Carrie. You are so welcome. Thank you for coming in. I forgot to bring you your cigar, so I'm going to mail it to you. But oh. for coming on my show and birthing a business, you get a cigar from Colonial Wine and Spirits on Markham. It's a oh, nice boy. cigar, and I can't believe I left it. So I'm going to mail it to you. All right. Uh, Tim, do you know who our guest is next week? Uh, no, I don't think you've told me yet. I forgot to look that up. I can't remember who our guest is next week. It'll be a surprise. We'll have someone good. Yeah. Timmy, keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> so to our listeners, if you have a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to... Questions at upyourbusiness.org. And someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you... You're right, but it's also about me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next Friday at 2 p.m. on KABF Radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Want to hear today's program again or want someone else to benefit from it? Jot this down. Within 48 hours, the podcast will be available at upyourbusiness.org or at flagandbanner.com. Again, that's upyourbusiness.org. Check the tab labeled podcast. There you'll find today's segment with links to resources you heard discussed on this program. Carrie's goal to help you live the American dream.